I don't think I'll ever get tired of that. <laughs> no, you're right. It is really hard not to dance to. That's not still, though, is it? It's way too clean. Oh, yeah, no. He, he Crafty wasn't involved in it at all. Um, <laughs> that's why it's the best part of the show. That's it. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> He's, he, he probably is watching right now. <laughs> I hope so. Just throw him under the bus. Hello, everyone. <laughs> Welcome to uh, Aussie Craft Distillers Shooting the Shit. Uh, the show where, well, we talk shit with people who know shit. Um, I think that makes sense, doesn't it? Uh, I'm I'm Luke. We normally have Crafty here, but he's, um, well, he was busy and then now he's not, so we just told him not to come back. Instead, we have the lovely Ali. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Sucked in, Crafty. I'm taking a job. Much more professional. She was here on time. Uh, <laughs> actually has good audio. Knows what she's doing. I think permanent replacement is um, on the cards. <laughs> Watch out, Crafty. Count your days. Yeah, it's, it's, it's so much more relaxed going into this one. Then, <laughs> uh, of course, we've got uh, Todd with us uh, as always. How are you, Todd? Oh, I'm fantastic. I love your background. Thank you. Finally, did away with the brown door. Yes, finally got rid of the brown door. And actually showing off your booze. <laughs> well, it's better than the cupboard it was in. <laughs> Absolutely. And, of course, uh, our uh, guest for uh, this evening, uh, Tim Stones from Hickson House. How are you Thank going, you Tim? Thank you very much for having me. Pleasure to be here. Wonderful to have you. Uh, the first thing we generally do when we uh, uh, get started is, uh, what are you drinking? So, uh, Tim, what do you got? I am drinking a wee dram of a whiskey I made a few years ago from my own personal cask. Right. Wow. So, and if that's not a flex, I don't know what is. Um, yeah, I don't know what is either. <laughs> flex it. Work it. Work it. <laughs> So tell us about the cask. What is it? Uh, it was a, it's nearly dead now. Um, it's a 20 litre bourbon cask and it was a, one of the early iterations of the whiskey I made when I was at Manly Spirits. Right. And I still, I still have a few bottles left, which and is, is nice. surprising. Is it better than the current Manly Spirits releases or? I couldn't uh, possibly comment because I actually haven't tasted any of the current Manly Spirits releases. Oh, right. They're all based off your original recipe, though, are they? I do believe what they are currently releasing will be what I made, yeah. Right. Excellent. Awesome. Well, that's cool. Um, Ellie, what have you got? What do I have? Okay, I've got some delicious potion that is made of rum, some sort of juice, some falernum, and it's in this really cute pineapple glass. Look right, at that. What's, what's, what's falernum? Um, it's a, a kind of like tropical tiki kind of style of syrup that's like quite herbal but quite sweet at the same time. Once you have it, it's just really hard not to to live without it anymore. So, <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Well, when I come to your bar, I'm going to have to try that. Oh, definitely. Please do. <laughs> I've never heard of it. <laughs> Excellent. Learn something new every day. Well, you've heard of it today, so... Awesome. So plugs. What bar are you referring to? 
Mind well, you, uh, bar, House of Spirits. <laughs> well, a bar? Oh, wow. Okay, yeah, no, that, uh, that wasn't the one I was thinking of. But, yeah, tell us about that one while we're there. At, oh, this bar. bar? No, this is my home bar. <laughs> no, your House of Spirits. House of Spirits, which has just opened up. Oh, yeah, so... Our House of Spirits has opened up, so previously we've just been a distillery, but now we also have an on-premise bar as well, House of Spirits, where we champion Australian spirits as well. And we do cocktails, we host nights, and, yeah, celebrate local produce and everything good. So come on down. And it's one of the prettiest places I think I've ever been to. <laughs> it's it's it, pretty good. <laughs> it, it, it's pretty pretty. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Todd. What's in your glass? Well, I'm sticking with um, the old Anigo, Anigo from Black Lovely. This is, I'm Lovely. really enjoying this. They, they're making a really great tequila. Yeah. Now that I've started to go down that rabbit hole. Agave spirit. Agave spirit. Let's just make sure. Oh, yeah. Sorry, agave. Agave spirit. Not tequila. Uh, and we'll probably, Rosemary will probably jump on and say hi later as well. Yeah. Um, I'm. I I went to the shops and I found a, a really pretty bottle, um, and that's what sold me. And it's a uh, tread softly uh, gin from. Oh gee, that's that's blown out like crazy. Tread <laughs> softly gin um, from Victoria. That's all I know. Um, it's a very pretty floral bottle, and it's very apple-y, like green apple, is what I'm getting from it in my. Uh, my nice. ice, iceless GNT. <laughs> I forgot to rebuild the ice tray. So. Yeah, me too. That's why I'm drinking whiskey and not and not and not gin and tonic. Didn't think I could come on a podcast and go, "Here's my iceless GNT," but I wish I had now. <laughs> yeah, look, there, there's no rules. There's no rules. You can drink it how however it's available to you. I prefer yeah, it with ice. Nice room temperature. Your, at least, at least my my tonic was cold, so yeah, redeeming. Warm tonic is just something I can't. It just, it's not right. No, it's you not need, right. You need to be thirsty to drink that. Oh yeah, yeah. absolutely. It's not so, ritual. I had I have actually had my fair share of uh, warm gin and tonics living in the tropics for a little while, and uh, you were a little unsure about the ice, so you're like, yeah, the whole the ice and. I kind of got used to warm quinine for a while. No, <laughs> not very proud of it. Um, that's, a, that's a warm bitterness that I don't think you you would really get anywhere else. No, apart from, apart from my last relationship. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right, that's the end of the podcast. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> so, Tim. Tell yeah. us, who are you? you we, we, we know that you're at Manly. We know that you're now at Hickson, uh, Hickson House. Yeah, uh, well, you may not know that. Well, the title of the episode kind of alluded oh, to it, I guess. Who reads stuff nowadays? Oh, I'm, quite, I'm actually quite impressed with my professionalism that I'm branded this evening, so, you know. Yeah, I keep forgetting to wear our damn T-shirts. <laughs> Forgetting. So, yeah. What, tell us how how did you start? What, was there something before Manly? How did you? Oh yeah, a fair, a fair, a fair bit actually, a fair bit. Um, 
I suppose long, long, very long story short, um, I, I'm an ex bartender basically. Um, I, I, uh, I, I, worked, I was lucky enough to work in a couple of the best bars in the world at the time it, during my tenure as a bartender in London. Um, yeah. And I kind of gravitated towards the whole uh, gin thing. Um, bar I used to work at, people used to come and, you know, ask for a drink. You ever wanted a gin drink? You go, okay, go upstairs and see Tim. He'll make you the best gin drink in the bar. Um, and I kind of fell into becoming the global brand ambassador for Beefeater Gin. Mm. Um, Not a small right. brand at all. No, no, no. Um, it's literally well known, and um, yeah, uh, it was only supposed to be a six-month contract, and I ended up being there for eight and a half years. Wow! Um, Traveling the world, drinking and talking about gin for a living. Yeah, wow! It sounds terrible. <laughs> well, it was it was a it was a funny one because it was obviously a, a fantastic job, um, but it took its toll on on relationships and friendships and things being away for sort of six seven months of the year at, the t at a time um oh, right. okay so that's yeah. a lot of a lot of travel yeah ridiculous amounts um actually and and you know what it's, it's parting shot actually was that i left and um i thought oh you know what i've actually got out of this unscathed and two days later i got gout um it had its it had its um it had its um, sort of downsides. It was a wonderful, wonderful job, and I loved it. And it, but um, but it took its toll. Um, but while I was there, I kind of spent a lot of time at the Beefeater Distillery, around mm -hmm. the distillers and Desmond Payne, specifically the master distiller, and also Sean Harrison, who was the master distiller at um, Plymouth. And the more I spent there, the more I was like, actually, you know what? I could probably um, this would probably be a good idea to kind of retire into kind of thing. Right. Because I'm making gin and uh, yeah, just kind of did my GCD there. Um, and I actually, I was actually fully, fully, fully prepped to go and actually work for Beefeater as a distiller. Um, right. I met, but I met an Aussie girl and um, she persuaded me to trade in the northern beaches for southeast London and took me all of 30 seconds to, um, to decide. And here I am. Uh -huh. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, so what is the best gin drink in the world oh that's an invitation to a fist fight if ever there was one <laughs> <laughs> good thing it's all virtual yeah, yeah. um the best gin drink in the world probably well, if, 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 if 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 punters are being directed to you to say go upstairs see tim and he will make you the best gin drink and they say, all right, give me the best. What well, are you, you preparing? You have, you'd have to ask a few questions first, really. So, um, I mean, I've, I've been a martini drinker for years because I think you drink a martini, there's nowhere for the gin to hide. So mm -hmm. you've got, you know, you know, a showcase of the gin. But, I mean, this was, this was the time where um, this was kind of like the early 2000s where, um, you know, vanilla sugar and passion fruit syrup and stuff reigned king. Um mm -hmm. So if you actually made somebody something quite simple, like a white lady, it was quite an elegant, sort of quite balanced drink that tended to win people over. Mm -hmm. So, um, But you know what? Whatever, whatever's in front of you is the best gin drink there is. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. My ISO that no crafty is not. Uh, we had a, a comment before from Nick. Hope no crafty is not getting my ice. He should but he's being lazy. I don't know. He's doing something else. 
<laughs> I love that little pineapple alley. That's brilliant. Oh, <laughs> thank you. I've had it for so long and I've only ever used it on pina colada day. So I'm so happy that I'm able to crack it out again. For... Is, that, is that one of the Cocktail Kingdom ones? Um, No, this is <laughs> just like a $9 one from eBay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah don't question it's, it it's not the one from wish it's all good oh that's all right then <laughs> <laughs> so you come over to australia uh northern beaches i'll i'll let that pass uh inner west is best as far as i'm concerned anyway ah, um, <laughs> well of Sid of central sydney Central Sydney, the mountains, a whole separate thing. We won't get into that argument. <laughs> Smart. So, so uh, no. no I disagree. <laughs> I'm sorry. I disagree. If you like, we like rain, it's fine. Although La Nina notwithstanding. No, we can't complain about the rain. In, in recent times because or we can't bag them out for the rain because we've had fucking all of it. I couldn't get over it. Yeah. I've got I've got to say as an Englishman, when I wake up in the morning and I see the rain, I get really, really resentful. Um, <laughs> not why I moved here. Come anyway. here for this shit. So <laughs> So how did Manly come about? Well, I I, I um I, I met Caroline Childerly when I was at Beef Eater, uh, the Gin Queen, and um, we became we became friends. And I told her that I was moving out here with, and I always uh, you know I, I'd had this plan to to retire inverted commas into uh, into distilling. Um, I say inverted commas because I've worked harder in my in the last five years than I ever had in my life. Um, but uh, I so I you know, said, look, keep keep keeping. Can you keep your ear to the ground for you know a distillery that wants somebody who knows the theory, has absolutely no practical knowledge whatsoever, and um, is pining for his expense account? Um, and she very she very kindly ended up putting me in touch with um, um, the guys who own Manly Spirits, David and Vanessa, and they very kindly gave me a job. Wow. Yeah, no experience, but all the theory and yeah, distilling yeah. in a brand new, ridiculously beautiful, um, industrialist uh, distillery. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and when right. you started working at Manly Spirits, were they doing whiskey straight away, or were they uh, just doing gin at the time? Well, um, no, the, the, well, the plan the plan was always kind of gin, and uh, that's pretty much why I moved there. But there was there was obviously the the, the, the plan to, to do whiskey um, as well, um, which I can't I can't really recall whether that was actually mentioned in my job interview or not because I worked up, I, <laughs> I like, ah whiskey okay um, <laughs> uh, yeah so um, so you know we we uh, we got we got the, we got the place up and running and. Um, we, we, we did the gin recipes and um, I think they, they, they went over pretty well. I mean, to be honest, I was, I was super, I was super stoked because, you know, a guy who's actually never run a distillery before or done anything like that. We, we ended up winning, winning um, uh, double gold at San Francisco for the first, uh, for, the, for the Aussie drive. 
Well um, done. Yeah, which was round of applause. About five and a half years ago now, but uh, but it was yeah, it was it was kind of like oh look, maybe maybe I have made the right decision here. Um, mm. But then uh, but yeah, we were making whiskey as well. But um and that was that was a big that was a big challenge. It has to be said. Um, I basically kind of learned to learned to brew over the phone with um, one of the guys from Four Pines. Um, <laughs> Right. Excellent. Yeah, that, and that, so were there any kind of, when you were learning how to do whiskey, um, was there any sort of kind of major incidents like mistakes and stuff like that that are kind of funny that you would like to share? Oh, that, I mean, there was no, nothing really egregious, I suppose. <laughs> um, I, it, it was one, just one of those things. It, it, was, it was a bit of a kind of like, oh, there's, there's, there's a few bad ferments here and there and everything, just trying to dial yeah. everything in. And it was, it was, it was tough. It was, um, yeah. Uh, yeah, literally, because I'd had, I'd had no brewing experience whatsoever. I, mm. I like to think that I, would, I, I know my way around gin a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I would say but, you do. <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, it, thank you for being very kind. Um, but... Um, but brewing and brewing and making whiskey. I mean, the the brewing aspect of whiskey is where it all boils down to, and mm. it's insane. So that that's a that's a contentious point there, in that there are um, there's a lot of different opinions on the impact of uh, the brewing process, the ferment. Uh, process the yeast as to whether any of those things actually impart any flavor. Uh, I think from our side, 100%, all of those things are involved in creating the end product and guaranteed if you have a really shitty ferment, then you're going to have different flavors than what you were intending. 100%. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. I, I, and you, you, sorry, you'll, you'll probably hear me drop his name quite a lot during the course of this, this, this chat. Um, but Desmond Payne, the master sitter at Beef Eater, um, he, we, we, we were talking about, you know, you know, things in factors in gin and um, everything makes a difference. Literally everything, you know, a, the tiniest tweak here and there in a gin recipe, whether you had you know, this much Oris or this or whatever. Yeah, and But everything makes a difference. So whether you've got a decent mill on your grain, whether you've got a decent extract quality from your from your barley strain, whether you what yeast strain you're using, um, funny, sound like sound like a brilliant what I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> but, you know, but, but everything everything makes a difference. I mean, you get yeah. one of those things wrong along the way, and it changes the outcome dramatically, especially when you're you're essentially you're compounding any mistake that you might make mm. down the line. Everything's getting amplified because you're essentially just removing water through the entire the entire thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I'm. So I mean, I'm 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 in utter awe of brewers because I we I, we had a we had a guy come in the other day who's a, who's a, been a brewer for 15 years and uh, down at Hickson House we had to replace an auger and uh, while we were waiting for the auger to straighten out he was helping you know we were just sorry we were running around talking about stuff. And he's asking me questions about this, this, and this, and this. I'm like, what? <laughs> what, what, what yeah. What's that? Should, should, should I be doing that? Um, and admittedly, you know, beer and whiskey are different things, but there, there, there's, there's, there's a lot of common stuff. Fundamental base exactly. uh, between 
shared amongst uh, both, yeah, whiskey and uh, and beer. The main difference is obviously there's another process, and whiskey doesn't use hops. Yeah, well, well, until, until until quite recently, was because there's, there's there's a lot more hopped whiskeys coming out now as well. Mm. But yeah, yeah, and yeah, but, uh, yeah. It's it, it's it's insane. I mean, I. So what did I'm, you learn? What did you learn from that short conversation that you should be doing that you weren't? Uh, it was actually more about um, uh, waste disposal stuff than anything mm -hmm. else. Really, right. you know, the real fun romantic uh, stuff. Oh, yeah. Size it, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Grain. Uh, mm. Racking arms and filtration and trip disposal and, yeah. All the, all the things that people who, like, get really misty-eyed about whiskey want to hear about. Oh, um, that is sexy stuff, though. Oh, love it. <laughs> you know, P yeah, pHs and 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 yeah, yeah. buffering buffering solutions and fun things. <laughs> Absolutely, your water profile. It, it, oh, all the difference, all the difference yeah. in your brew. Yeah. Particularly, you can taste that. Particularly when in a beer, less so, I think, in in the whiskey. But it still, I'm sure, has a uh, has a place in there. So. From Manly, so from Manly, obviously now through to Hicks and House, how'd that come about? Well, kind of, I, I suppose, I suppose in its in its element, uh, really, Hicks and House was always the idea. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so Mikey Enright, who is the owner of um, the barber shop and the Duke of Clarence. In mm -hmm. Sydney, so one of the you know the best gin bars in the world, and 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 the Duke of Clarence in English pub, which is frankly uh, my home away from home. Hmm. Um, him and him and I have been mates for years, and um, we ended up um, we ended up you know we, we used to bump around bump into each other around the traps, all the all the bar shows and all the all the whatnot around the world, um, and him and I ended up having a chat. We we bumped into, into each other in some dive bar in new orleans at tales of the cocktail back in 2016 and he'd got wind of the fact that i was moving to australia and he said all right i'm flying out on saturday um let's grab breakfast and have a chat so this was pro this was after like the um you know, spirited awards at Tales of the Cocktail. So the most hungover breakfast that probably ever existed in the world ever. <laughs> Both of us, like, you know, like shaking. Having the shakes, yeah. Like <laughs> anyway, so, and he's like, hey, mate, you, you know, you, I hear you moving to Australia. Do you want to, do you want to do something together? He said, I've been thinking about doing my, you know, our own gin and whatnot for the barbershop and everything. I'm like, absolutely. Let's, let's, let's do this. Cause you know, we, you know, we've been mates for a long time and I really respected what he's done and what he's achieved. And, and we had a similar kind of ethos about gins and things. Um, but timing didn't work out. Um, obviously. So I ended up, um, you know, looking for another job, uh, got the job at Manly spirits. Um, but at the back of my mind, there was always this, 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 uh, this idea. Um, and then, you know, we, we, we ended up kind of reprising conversations um, and I ended up um, coming on board with him and his business partner, Julian Train, um, in February 2020. Um, I mean, and the, and the pair of them had, had 
had been uh, toying with the idea of doing a distillery for a while. Um, and they want to sort of get me on board. So Julian's well into his whiskey. Mikey's well into his gin. And yeah, so 2020, uh, sorry, February 2020, I came on board and then the pandemic hit. And yeah. Yeah. Well, distilling is probably one of the most pandemic forgiving vocations there is, isn't there? Well, yeah, but building a distillery is not particularly. Uh... No, building one, no. If it's already there, certainly. But uh, no, but actually, it was it was quite interesting because um, the pandemic kind of was a blessing and a curse for us. Um, so I, I joined. I, I joined in February, and we were in the office on York Street and doing little tests and stuff. And then the pandemic hit, and we all, you know, retreated to our own little enclaves. Um, but um, what a lot of people don't have when they're building a distillery is a year and a half to sit in the garage and basically test recipes. Yeah, yeah. Which, right. which, we, which we were blessed with, you know. Um, so before, long before the 5K radius thing came, came in and everything, and the, and the, but in the first lockdown, I'd be sat in my garage in Brookvale <clears throat> with the test still and, you know, basically cracking out about five different batches of gin a day. And oh, wow. yeah, I... Evenings got hazy occasionally. Um, <laughs> I bet. Sometimes my taste notes were a little uh, not particularly legible the following day. Yeah, yeah it's just um, scribble in a line. Yeah, like a like a spider who crawled through an ink pot. Um, <laughs> um, but no, so I, you know, I spend I'd spend a week I'd spend a week doing uh, recipe development and whatnot, and then on a on a Thursday I'd bottle bottle up samples and drive up to uh, Jules's house and leave a package on his doorstep, knock on the door, run away, and then <laughs> go, down, go down to Mikey's house and uh, do the same and then drive back to mine. And uh, we then sit on Zoom and do a tasting and write notes. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, while it was tough, you know, um, yeah. it, it, it gave us this time to actually sit and properly develop gins. So by the time mm -hmm. we actually found a venue... <clears throat> excuse me, um, recipes were done and we could concentrate on the build. Mm, okay. So tell me about your test still. Oh, a little 700 milliliter laboratory still. Pyrex, oh, right. boiling tube, leapy condenser, and rigged up, rigged up to a, um, a 20 liter Bunnings bucket and a fish tank pump. <laughs> <laughs> so proper mad scientist stuff. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think I think I think most most distillers have to suffer the um, the Breaking Bad comments quite a lot these days. So I've had a oh, few yeah. of them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so how many gins have you now got at Hickson House? We have three, which we launched with. Yep. We have the Aussie Dry, which um, the bottle up here, co you know, coincidentally. Um, here's one and, I had there you go. Here's, here's, one I, here's one I had a couple of G&Ts with earlier. Um, <laughs> and a London Dry and our version of a, of, a, of, a, of a classic Navy strength, which we call Harper Strength. Mm -hmm. because, yeah, right. because of where we are. Of course, that makes perfect sense. I've, I did have the tasting flight of yeah all three. I 
thoroughly enjoyed them all. And I think my favorite was the dry. Yeah, we find um, there's it's a 50-50 split mm. between the Aussie and, uh, and the London. Yeah, right. So, so what is it about gin that gets you? I don't know. It's it's a weird one. I just it's it's just incredibly versatile. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I mean, obviously you have to you have to kind of um, work to certain parameters. You know, juniper must be your main ingredient. But other than that, you can throw anything else you want in it, basically. So the the, the scope is insane. You know, you can make. You can make a herbal gin, you can make a floral gin, you can make a spicy gin. Um, yeah, it's, it's just an incredibly versatile spirit. Um, just works well with pretty much anything you can throw in it. Right. I Are guess- you happy now that you don't have to go collect sea lettuce? I think, I think the less said about sea lettuce, the better. <laughs> um- <laughs> I remember, like, I, I met you, like, quite a few years ago. And... Um, yeah. Yeah, well, it was there, probably, there was, probably just after the sea lettuce incident. Yeah, it was. It was probably just after the the sea lettuce incident. I know you probably don't want to talk about it, but for well, the listeners listening at home, now. would oh, you yeah, re- yeah. would you mind recapping the sea lettuce incident? Oh, so so at Manly, um, we um, obviously we were we were we were making the gin, and there were certain parameters that I had to work within. Um, when doing the gins there, and one of them, one of them was um, that the sea lettuce, uh, which, um, if you don't know, is um, a little type of seaweed, Ulva lactica, if I'm pronouncing it correctly. Um, I'm sure somebody will probably fact check me if I'm wrong. It's a really lovely ingredient and great in salads, and you know, and pretty good in gin as well. Um, but it grows wild, and you, you one, one, one goes and generally forages for it. Anyway, we were, we were under the pump a little bit to get a batch of gin out, and we were short on sea lettuce because it was a, was a wild ingredient. Um, and I, I ended up going down to uh, the rock flats at South Curl Curl um, up here on the, on the northern beaches, and there's a particularly lovely patch of sea lettuce out there. And I'm like, oh, that's, that's, pretty, that's pretty good. We'll, we'll aim for that one. And sat on the rocks and waited. You know, I counted the counted the waves coming in. It was a bit rough that day. Um, bearing in mind, I've been in Australia for about four months and yeah. didn't quite understand mm-hmm. just how hectic shit gets. <laughs> that sounds like an understatement. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, long story short, I got i i took my i took my work boots off. I was wearing my, my, my That's a good start. That's a good start. I was wearing my steel caps because I didn't want to get my work boots wet because they take a take a fucking week to dry. Anyway, so I so I rolled my trousers up, went down the rock flats and everything, and I'm cutting at this at this sea lettuce and I look up and there's this big fuck off wave towering over me. And long story short, I'm quite lucky not to be a New Zealander right now. All um, right. <laughs> nearly became a uh, statistic. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh. Um, yeah, so yeah, cue cue a lot of a uh, lot of a lot of scratched up feet, some scrubbing uh, to get rid of oyster shells in the soles, oh. and uh, why not? 
But did you uh, say no. the? <laughs> yeah, no. Save the lettuce. Yeah. Did I fuck? Um... <laughs> There's the Lesson lettuce. Lesson that looks. Learned. That is so appetising, isn't it? Yeah. Now, anyway. what does what does C lettuce impart into the gin? What are we um, getting? A a a very nice salinity that is totally well worth the risk. Right. Okay. Mm. So worth nearly dying for. Sure. <laughs> I think we better just stick to like having someone else do that and we just drink the gin. When I when I when I, when I used to say there's blood, sweat, and tears in, in, in that gin, I was I was I wasn't lying. <laughs> So the salinity doesn't come from the tears. <laughs> from the sea <laughs> oh gosh. So, <laughs> so at Hickson, so you're doing your your gins, you've got your three there at the moment, and you're doing yeah. whiskey now as well. Yeah, um that was a um well. The, the, the amount of whiskey we're planning on doing was actually kind of not not really in the plan. Uh, we we initially thought we would probably just you know do a little three hundred litre gin still and you know make some gin and maybe you know very very quietly in the corner make some whiskey and not talk about it and one day release a couple of casks and um, we we we're very lucky to have this wonderful investor who um, comes from a Scottish background um, and he kind of just really wanted to kind of work on it. And so thing, things escalated quite considerably. Um, so now we're, uh, we're producing about uh, about five barrels of whiskey a week. Uh, nice. With the aim, with the aim to do more. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so much for just quietly in the corner. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We, yeah, we, were supposed to be, we were supposed to be in a little warehouse in the corner, in the back end of Marigville kind of thing. And the next yeah. thing you know, we're in a we're in a heritage building in the rocks. Oh um, shit! You were almost my local. <laughs> yeah, that would have been lovely. Damn it! Uh. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so here we are. Here we are in the old Saatchi and Saatchi car park, um, making tons of whiskey and tons of gin now. So nice. in, a, in a really quite beautiful venue, like the fit out is is stunning. Yeah, it's kind of nuts actually um it's one of those weird ones where you you've been we've i've been so obviously up close to it the entire time um but i'm still so up close to it i've yet i've yet to really comprehend what we've done and what the mm. bar guys have done um yeah I've, i i i'm, only, I'm, I'm at yeah i'm actually unable to take a oh, step back well there's a step back so obviously looking uh, towards the two stills there, yeah. which are amazingly shiny. Mm. Oh, that's that's not an accident. I know a lot of work goes into that. Oh no 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 lacquer. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that I thought that was just Alex constantly going up to them and just cuddling and just them. hugging it and just getting her yeah. sleeves. Yeah, and going yeah, like yeah. That. <laughs> Alex, Alex and her copper contact selfies are literally just her polishing the stills. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. She loves the <laughs> Yeah, she does. Um, no, no, no. So uh, actually, we, we agonized about this for a long, long time. 
Uh, we were like, okay, do we do we let do we let the stills develop that lovely kind of patina that happens when you know when you leave them be and they oxidize and everything, or um, do we polish them? And I was like, fuck that. Overridden by Alex in that in that one. So we are yes, yeah, but yeah. So we we ended up with the, I ended up with the choice of lacquering them. So right. Mm. Which well, means they, very impressive. Yeah. <laughs> so how long, when when will the whiskey be, or how far into the whiskey journey are we um, at Hickson? We literally, literally, I, I have literally finished barreling the first uh, 10 barrels today. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Big day. Uh, Mark this day. Uh, well, it will be in all perpetuity now on uh, iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, and Facebook Live. Yeah. Uh, that this is when it was announced that uh, the 10 barrels were laid. Yeah. First, yeah. Um, yeah. Yesterday and today, we, uh, we, we, we barreled the first 10 barrels. Um, yeah. And onward, basically. And what are you, what are you aiming for? What's tasting? What you, what <laughs> Not shit. Yeah. <laughs> Did you have a style or a um, a profile in mind? Yeah, I mean, we, I mean, our our investors are quite sort of um, obviously again, like I said, Scottish background. So we're doing Scotch style, um, malted barley. Uh, the idea at the moment is to lay down a load of that, mm -hmm. um, but later on we'll be playing around with different mash bills and and whatnot. Um, you know, uh, we're looking, we're looking at kind of playing around. You know, we, we're not, gonna, we're not trying to, um, sort of set our stall out really in certain cask type either. We're trying to, we've, we've, we've decided on X amount in bourbon cask because mm -hmm. if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yep. Um, <laughs> is, you know, it, it, it creates lovely, lovely whiskey and, you know, and a great blending stock later on if you need it. Um, but we're also kind of looking at doing some sort of a few more weird and wonderful esoteric casks as we, mm -hmm. as we go along. Right. Nice. Is there any uh, special kind of like cast that you're dying to use? Like that's you just like if I could get my hands on one of those one day, that's that's what I'm going to use. Yeah. Had it from Stone's way. Yeah, but kind of more more in the barrel aged gin side of things actually. Yeah. Um. Well, that, that was the next question. Are you doing a barrel-aged gin? Maybe. maybe. <laughs> that you can tell us about. Uh, no. Um, <laughs> well, I, I think, I don't know. Um, barrel-aged gin kind of fascinates me a little bit. Um, sometimes, sometimes it can really be brilliant. Sometimes I feel it kind of misses the mark a little bit. Um, sometimes I think flavor clashes in in what's traditionally cask aged, and mm -hmm. the flavor profiles in gin don't necessarily go together very well. Um, but I think there's there's a few things that um, that could be amazing with gin. So I've got I've got a couple of ideas um, that I'm, I'm gonna gonna try and play with a little bit. Um, but uh, but in terms of um, in terms of whiskey, um, 
Oh, I mean, there's, there, there doesn't seem to be much that's not been done already. Obviously, bourbon cask is brilliant and it, it creates a, a wonderful, wonderful base whiskey. Um, here in Australia, the, the wine the wine scene is incredible. So I think you'd be a fool not to not to do something in a little bit of wine cask. Um, mm-hmm. I'd love to I'd love to play around with Misunara. Um, yeah, but um, yeah. but uh, um, unfortunately, I've not won the lottery just yet. Yeah. Um, Good luck. <laughs> yeah, I mean. I, 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 a few years ago, I asked I asked a barrel broker, said, you know, roughly what what are we looking at for a Mizanara cask? And he was sort of mm-hmm. quoting at the time he was quoting like two fifty for a Heaven Hill bourbon cask, and uh, you know, like three hundred fifty for a Phoenix French oak. And so, yeah, what about a what about a Mizanara cask? He's like upwards of twenty grand. Fuck yeah! Fuck. Fuck it, wow. <laughs> Damn it, it's delicious. Um, <laughs> wow. That's, um, that'll certainly bump up your bottle price. Yeah. 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 That's a pitch. That's a pitch. Yeah, you, you, really, you really want to cast strength out of that, wouldn't you? You want to want to blend. Um, no, you're not it, all that that has to offer. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and you're still paying thousands for a shot. <laughs> well, I, I, well, see, I remember I remember working when I was working at Beefeater um, uh, was in the same office as um, all the Shivers Brothers guys and um, mm. Max Warner the, the then um, long term um, uh, excuse me uh, Shivers Regal brand ambassador he had a bottle of the, the um, Shivers Regal Mizanara finish mm. which is the first time I ever came across it and I was like Fuck, that's good <laughs> You know, just that 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 lovely kind of green oak grassiness it gives. It was yeah, I I I I, I was I was really lucky enough to go to Japan a lot with Beef Eater, and um, we used to we used to trawl around the um, the Suntory distilleries. Um, yeah, wow, and all that Hakushu and Yamazaki and that, and that's definitely uh, my bucket list. Yeah, I love, uh, I love you use that for, would you use that for your gin barrel aged gins, or for your whiskies? You know, I actually hadn't, I actually hadn't made the uh, made the connection of Mizanara for gin, but yeah, got it. Yeah, but let's do that. <laughs> Why not? Well, just anybody, anybody fancy sponsoring a Mizanara cast for some gin? Then let me know. Ah, <laughs> uh, look, we can. We'll put out the call, and you'll get a dollar, maybe. Sweet. Um, <laughs> it's uh, it all helps. It all helps. Every every little helps. <laughs> So where to on the uh, on the gin front now? Then with 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 Hickson, you've got your three out there, um, and are you going to be going to be doing some sort of experimental releases? Are there going to be uh, special releases? What's happening there? Well, the, I mean, we're still very very new, so, um, so everything's experimental. Yeah, basically. I mean, I mean, um, we literally launched the brand in uh, early December last year. Mm. So what we're trying to do is actually kind of gain a footing for the three SKUs we have at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, our flagship being the Australian dry gin, um, which I'm, I'm, I'm super proud of. Um, but at the same time, during, during that time in lockdown, there's, there's another sort of two, three recipes uh, that have been done 
which are sat mm-hmm. waiting on the back burner to decide whether or not we're gonna we're gonna release them or not. Right. Can you talk us through a little bit of the profiles of the the Australian um, gin that you have? Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, it's uh, I'm 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 very much a gin traditionalist. Mm-hmm. I come from a a very classic London dry gin background. Yeah. Um, so for me, a gin needs to be juniper forward and needs to be very very balanced. Um, Desmond Desmond used to talk about. Uh, making gin in terms of like a spectrum. Mm-hmm. So one end you have citrus moving into floral, moving into the core of juniper, moving into spice and moving into earthiness. Um, and it's like, if you can pick, you know, aside from the juniper core, another couple of points on that spectrum, you've generally got a pretty well-balanced gin. And I kind of tend to approach making a gin recipe like that. Um and that's definitely what I've tried to do with the Aussie Dry. So, um, it's a classic, uh, classic base of the unofficial four London Dry botanicals, mm-hmm. which are, um, if you if you don't know, um, for those listening, it's uh, juniper, obviously, in one, um, angelica root, coriander seed, and orris root which are pretty much present in every single London dry gin you've ever tasted. Mm-hmm. Um, with very, very few exceptions. Uh, reason being, I mean, that, that it's a base and it works and it's mm-hmm. delicious. Uh, on top of that, we went for the citrus side of things, which pick up the sort of top notes. We've got orange peel, which is very classic, but is delicious in gin. Yeah. And, um, line, which again, it's been used a lot, but, it's used a lot because it's amazing. It's damn good. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Um, we then have uh, licorice, which gives licorice root, which gives mouthfeel. Aniseed mm-hmm. myrtle because it's delicious. Um, and it's also an Australian native. There you go. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, uh, I forget what else is there. Um, oolong tea. Oh, nice. Yeah. Bit of a weird one, um, but this was a bit of a this was a nod to Desmond because uh, he was the first guy to put tea in gin, as far as I know, with Beefy at twenty four. Um, mm. I couldn't use green tea because he'd give me shit for plagiarizing him. Uh, <laughs> so I used oolong because it's got nice apricotty notes, uh, but you actually don't taste the oolong; it, it kind of just rounds everything out. Mm. Um, and the one for me that that really sets the Aussie dry aside is native thyme, right? Nice. Um, which I discovered a few years ago and distilled uh, on its own. It's like that's just phenomenal. Mm. Um, I need to, I need to do some of that in the future. Yeah. Um, so those so that's basically what makes it up. And and the the idea being it's just it's just a really good balanced gin that highlights what's great about classic gin styles, but also what's great about Aussie gin styles as well. Yeah, nice. right. I was, so, I was, I was, sorry, I was, I was actually asked uh, yesterday, I did a, did a trade tasting here in Sydney, and somebody said to, somebody asked me, um, so why, why, why do you go on down this route for the Aussie dry? Was it, was it because, because there was a niche in the market that was missing and all that? And then I said, I'm sorry, but frankly, it was way more selfish than that. It was actually just <laughs> a, a gin that I would enjoy drinking. Yeah. So, <laughs> that's, 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 that's still 
anyway. <laughs> Sorry. There's there's nothing wrong with making a gin that you want to drink and having it just yeah. you know. No. <laughs> absolutely. The one that you don't want to drink. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> actually, it, it was it was a really nice um, development process actually because uh, once we were out once we were out of lockdown, um, we had in the barbershop just this this amazing resource of you know every pretty much every every gin that's commercially available in Australia and a bunch of bartenders and you know owners and managers who were at the top of their game when it came to to to, to gin drinks. Um, mm. we would do weekly tastings, um, of all this stuff and there'd be all these opinions and everything. And sometimes I just turn around and tell them that they're completely wrong. Um, <laughs> but, but for the most part, you know, it was lovely to have this input from all these guys who are just, you know, amazing at what they do and giving this, giving this input on, on the development process. Cause I think mm. a lot of people don't have that. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think Crafty's got the, uh, Craftworks, inner circle uh which i think is actually quite a large circle i think and he it's uh, very intimate now um yeah so i i think that's also one of the the uh uh i guess great things about the australian distilling industry is everyone is willing to help everybody else and everybody wants to be involved in the process and see everybody else succeed so that's cool. I, I I have to say, and um, since um, being being an outsider here, really, um, it's quite in, it was very very interesting seeing the Australian attitude towards craft distilling versus the English attitude. Yeah, uh, because a lot of the time you'd find in the UK, someone's you know someone's put their heart and soul into something, and they and they they have this they have their gene, and they're very proud of it, and everything. And honestly, because, you know, they lack the economies of scale, there's a premium to it. Mm-hmm. So you find people be going, oh, you know, that's really, really nice. But I'm going to go and buy a, a bottle of fucking Gordon's right now because that's 10, yeah. quid, in the, 10 quid in the supermarket rather than you know, 30 quid in the, in the, in the cellar door. But one thing is really lovely here, and I think it's testament to the whole Australian craft distilling scene, is the fact that you do have locals who are very, very keen to pay well over the odds for mm. a locally produced thing. And I think I just think that that whole kind of like fair go, give everyone a stab, you know, and, and, and support your local guy is a, is a really, really cool thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, it so, was really, really the standout for me when I sort of started started distilling over here. Mm. So, a question for our two gin distillers: What are your thoughts on the um, the zero alcohol uh, gins that are now available in all supermarket all supermarkets, whether they're good or not? Um, selling for 35 40 dollars or more a bottle um how do you think that affects the actual gin market tim do you want to go first <laughs> no not really um <laughs> I, I like controversial but it's thrown in there i don't i don't i don't know i've, I've actually yet to really I, don't, I actually haven't given it a proper amount of thought yet um I think it's amazing that there's these non-alcoholic spirits going out there because 
let's face it, you know, um, it's 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 a market and it's needed and it's great. Yeah. I mean, um, lot you know, long gone are the times where you go into a bar and you know have a a virgin pina colada and sit on those for the rest of the night. You know, you, you need you need something grown up and and everything. Um, Forty bucks a bottle. I do think that you know you're still essentially aside from the alcohol, you're still using hopefully quality raw ingredients. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is an argument that yes, that's that's what it costs, and therefore that's what it's worth. You know, mm-hmm. um, we'll see. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so diplomatic. Yeah, I don't really like. Um, as far as when it comes to to alcohol sales and and non-alcoholic gin sales is um i don't really have like too much of a qualm between that because if someone wants to buy alcohol they're going to buy alcohol if someone doesn't want to buy alcohol they're not going to buy alcohol Mm -hmm. um the thing the qualm i would say that i kind of have with it like it, it don't get me wrong it doesn't keep me up at night or anything like that. I'm not stressed about it. It's just little things that kind of niggle at me. So it's just like when it's called like a non-alcoholic gin, gin actually does have a legislative range of ABV. And so it kind of just is a middle finger to that. And because gin is really trendy, um, especially in this current climate, um, it's kind of just, I see it as kind of like not piggybacking off it, but just kind of trying to like just grab the clout off that a little bit mm-hmm. and and use it as like a oh this is like this is just as trendy as gin but like you know you don't get yep. drunk off it or whatever and it's just like you know and it's lower calories but it's just like you know it's not technically drink it's like when you make a new make spirit or something like that like for, for instance I come from a rum background so it's just like if I was to release uh like you know, new make rum or something like that from the still I, and, and was to release it, it would be classed as like a molasses spirit drink. Mm. And that's mm. technically what, like in terms of what you name things in their class, um, it's it's not a gin at all. It's a gin-flavoured drink, um, which yeah, sounds I, way less appealing. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think um, I don't like the term um, non-alcoholic spirits. Because spirit is in itself, like to your point, its own classification. Yeah, it's a spirit. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would, I would prefer to see something like botanical drink. You know, yeah. but that's not that's way prettier than like gin flavored drink. Not, that's not that's not hitting those touchstones that everyone is looking for. Yeah, yep. because like I don't think like a gin drinker who typically just like you know wants to have a night off drinking gin with their friends or whatever, um, would typically lean for like botanical flavored drink rather yeah. than a non-alcoholic gin. What about what about flower water? Should we we go with flower water? Oh, I I would drink flower water. <laughs> yeah, I, it, it, yeah, it's a funny one. I'm, it's a funny one. It, it sparked a lot of debate. I mean, I disagree with the use of the term spirit because it's not a spirit. And I disagree with the term use of the term gin because it is not a gin. Because to your point, there are legis- legislative things that delineate. Protects that. that. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think, I think we need to find a, we need to find a, a common ground. Um, we used to have this argument at, at Beefeater a lot where, um, sorry, I'm referencing this, but it's, it's part of my, 
follow my history. Um, yeah, yeah. We would, um, there was a there was a big thing about what actually constituted a gin and whether certain gins were necessarily gin, given their perhaps lack of juniper as a dominant flavor profile. Mm-hmm. And we'd always talk about, well, we don't mind, we don't, you know, we don't want them to call gin because juniper is not your main thing, but botanical spirit is a perfectly acceptable, mm-hmm. you know, actual term for everything. But it 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 it's not as emotive. It's, it doesn't it doesn't pique the interest of the consumer as much as botanical spirit does. So you know. Mm. Um, there's a name I haven't seen yet, the eccentric electrician. Uh, <laughs> I love it. Love it. Uh, not yeah, but, but, but he's right. But he's right. I want half the half the issue with with non-alcoholic, sorry, alcoholic beverage substitutes. <laughs> maybe we should call them that. Um, is that that alcohol is a fixative? Alcohol holds and binds flavors together. So you're mm. never going to get that flavor hit that you would from a from a, from a gin in a in a non-alcoholic juniper drink, shall we say. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's, a, it's a very valid point. So I remember, I remember many years ago trying a, um, a very well-known brand of non-alcoholic gin, inverted commas, in a martini and just being very, very disappointed. But having the same product as a gin and tonic kind of thing, was, it was very, very different. You know, it, it's... Mm. Long drinks are the friends for these non-alcoholic versions, for sure. Right. Okay, that's interesting. But generally speaking, you know, you, they, they just don't have the flavor carry because they don't have that chemical element to them that does that. Hmm. Right. I only ever bought one non-alcoholic gin, and the thing went off in the bottle. Oh. It was, it was nasty. It had little growths growing through it after a couple of months. Oh. Lovely. So you need I'm to sure tell that to the, the average consumer. But, so that's that's truly botanical. <laughs> yeah, wow. <laughs> so was making his own botanicals, yeah. That was nasty. <laughs> so uh, another uh, shared, I guess, gin question for, uh, for you both there is, what's the weirdest botanical you've seen used in a gin that worked oh that worked oh, that worked oh, yes. <laughs> jinx <laughs> we can go didn't work as well as you like but let's go with oh, yeah. i'm sure there's a lot of shit that doesn't work but what's <laughs> something that you thought no nah, can't possibly and you're like oh, all right other other than sea lettuce um <laughs> Oh man, um, that's a good question. I don't know. I can't think of anything else in my head. Or is there an ingredient that you haven't seen used that you would like to try? Ooh. I think I think I think every pretty much everything's been used now, at least commercially that works, that's commercially yeah. viable. Um, one 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 I one I know that um, that doesn't work um, was uh, grapefruit and coconut together. Grapefruit and coconut, okay. Yeah. 
Are they yeah, trying to yeah. be a a um like a coconut rum type thing or no 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 just um, yeah I, I I it came out it came out when I was still a bartender in London I and I I, I mentally went through sort of the roller decks of cocktails in my head I was like are there any drinks that contain grapefruit and coconut and no there's not and that should probably have been a um a red flag. <laughs> Um, that was the first hint, anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I think I think most things that are workable have probably been done now. To be honest, um, yes, and did work. And well. did work well. That. I would like to see. Um, like I know that it, that, that um, liqueurs have been made out of it, but I would love to actually see. Marula in a um in an actual gin just to see how it goes, but I can't what's, really get marula. marula? marula. Um, it's yeah, it's like a marula? South African um or an African uh, kind of fruit rather, and elephants eat it and they get drunk off it and just stagger around. Oh dear. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like it's fruity, it's nutty. Um, yeah. I, I just think it would be really interesting to have as a gin botanical. I haven't been able to get my hands on any, um, but if anyone has, um, so it. it looks sort of awesome. like a lychee almost. Yeah, uh, I'm going to try and bring it up so the rest of us can see. Bring it up, yeah. Patience, precious patience. Fucking <laughs> Jesus. Here you go. Here you go. Here it comes. Here it comes. It's uploading. Still uploading. There it is. Yeah, yeah that's it. Okay. Yeah, so, yeah it, like once of... it, um, like elephants. I'm assuming it's like drops and ferments and then they eat it and. Yeah. And like an elephants like actively seek it from the tree as well, just before it's about to fall and other animals come and gather around and they're like, hey, it's a party. Okay. Yeah. Actually, having said that, I was um I swung by the supermarket on the way uh, on the way home tonight and uh, to get some something for dinner, and uh, there's durian in my local Woolies. Yeah, anyway, <laughs> I'd love I'd love to do something with durian. <laughs> yeah, they're that quite an obscure looking fruit. Yeah, <laughs> uh, capia lime leaves. Uh, and <laughs> lemongrass in a green curry, the worst in a green. Right. Sounds like a delicious meal. I've had some average gins that contained uh galangal for sure, yeah. But um, but, uh Thai, Thai lime is is a great ingredient, mm. Mm. especially Liming. when you get like the the really like the new leaves, so they're like them, they're. they're darker in color and they're a bit more shiny those ones are really really powerful to work with i, I I've, I've actually always found as well I and mean, th th there's obviously exceptions to the rule but um if your ingredient has a really high water content it doesn't work as well as something that is either dried or has a low water content hmm. right okay is that because it's you end up stripping out a lot of that flavor with the water. Well, or you, um, water, water is not a flavor carrier. So if you, yeah. so, so the, the, the concentration of oil is lower in a, in a high water content ingredient. Yeah. So you get less out of it. Um, mm -hmm. So for example, when we, when we say we use finger lime, we actually use, 
powdered dried finger lime. Okay. Because all of that, all of that water content has been removed, and all you all you're left with is oil. Yeah. Because um, oil doesn't necessarily dry out so much during the, that process, um, mm. and a huge, and because it's powdered, your contact area, I suppose, is much much greater, so you get much more extraction out of it. Okay. So then, when you're using that, are you? And I guess with all of your uh your gins are you um soaking the botanicals are you whacking in the basket are you um are you distilling them individually and then uh blending them what's your process so we um i was taught to make gin in the uh london dry style uh which basically means you throw everything you've got which is your natural product in the still at the same time and distill it and you're not allowed to do anything to it post distillation other than add water to it, basically, to, right. to drink the bottling strength. Um, that's just how I was taught. Um, I've I've actually never used a gin basket. Ever? Um, nope i've never I've never used one. Um, just because I mean, I haven't haven't really had the chance to. Well, sorry, excuse me. I've had the chance to. I've just chosen to do things. The way that mm -hmm. I was taught, and yep. they've worked, and never then had the time to sort of sit down and properly experiment with it. Yeah, um, and I've actually not done individual distillates, mm -hmm. um, but here in Australia, that's actually a wonderful way of making a gin because mm -hmm. so many native ingredients are so completely seasonal and and they fluctuate in availability and quality. That it's a it's a great way of utilizing what you've got seasonally, stockpiling mm -hmm. it, and then later on you can you can blend it to ensure you have a, a product mm. that's consistent year and year round. Um, yeah, yeah. I How guess I, I guess I'm just slightly stuck in my ways. <laughs> How do you control that consistency? I guess a question for both uh, Tim and Ellie. How do you control the consistency of the output? Um, when it is the botanicals themselves are a variable. Ali, you, you've you've got way more experience in this than I have. So, <laughs> um, well, it's just a matter of like um, that's the beauty of being like my size and scale of things is like there's a little bit more kind of um, allowance in that kind of thing. But when things are in season, we see we tend to to bulk up our production of that spirit um, a little bit more and keep a bit more Sorry, of it on hand. It up. Do, you, do you guys distill individually and, and then blend? Oh, no. So we do everything uh, vapour infused. We direct macerate juniper for one of ours um, prior okay. to distillation. Um, but, yeah, everything for us is, is vapour infused, including with our vodka as well. So, um, yeah, it just adds a bit more of like a delicate kind of there's my girl. Thank you. Yeah. So um, with that as well, we have our botanical, like a lot of those botanicals for both of our gins are grown on premise, including uh, the Bacchausia citradora, which is more commonly known as the lemon myrtle. We've got rose geranium, which grows in our distillery garden, as well as some citruses and citruses from around the region. Um, so we have a very big, kind of like we're in contact with all of like the farmers and stuff like that and we 
Gosh. grab a huge bulk of stuff, including like pomegranates. So whenever ever that's in season, I'm just spending days de-seeding that. Um, and yeah, just what you can do is just like freeze some of it. Like, so the pomegranates, for instance, you can de-seed them, freeze them, and just hope that no one eats them during the time that you're not using them. And, um, and, and <laughs> is, yeah. Is that, and just, is, that little, is that a small dig at somebody within the distilling team? <laughs> no, it was actually, um, no. <laughs> maybe a little bit, a little bit myself when we used to have our cellar door before the bar. Um, I would do a de-seeding day while I'm, I'm manning the cellar door and I would have customers just going, oh, wow, free pomegranate. Nice. I love this. And I'm oh. like, oh, please do not eat pomegranate. I need this. Yeah. <laughs> and then, like, I'll have pomegranate all over my face, like, just splatters and everyone's like, where's Nick? And I'm like, um, about that. It looks like a murder scene. <laughs> yeah, it literally looks like a murder scene. <laughs> I mean, I guess, for, I guess, from my point of view, um, yeah. what we try to do is obviously, you know, different, uh, native time is a good example of how um, it sort of tends to fluctuate from season to uh, an, an, an area. So it, it can go, for, it can actually go from stinking like weed to being quite sort of menthol-like. Um, hmm. So we kind of assess each batch as it comes in and, and try to kind of blend everything together um, to sort of maintain it like so a almost like a signature blend of native time for each subsequent batch right um, but it but it's, it is it is you know when you when you when you live in a country where where native botanicals are so incredibly seasonal it can be it can be a challenge to kind of keep on top mm -hmm. of that sure so an interesting comment come through from our uh uh eccentric sparky uh talking about distilling mandarin hmm. it comes out electric blue I feel uh, like I've heard this room. I've heard a rumor of something like this before. I haven't done it. I mean, I, like, and it feels like maybe someone told me that in a dream. I don't know, but um, is it a, is it a pH thing? Is it a pH thing? Because you've got, you know, there's a lot of acidity within the mandarin peel that's stripping copper out the still. Mm, that's what I, I think. Because I've done. Yeah, like moonshine. A lot of uh, moonshiners, if you, if they don't clean their still, um, then it gets the um, the oxidization, and yeah, their spirit comes out blue. Yeah, because if you if you you know um, you you kind of pickle a still before you before you run a uh, you know run it run a batch on it. So so normally mm. I. So for example, when we commission when we commissioned ours, you know, you run a you boil a lot of water through it, and then you do um, uh, we did a we did a, a caustic and then a citric acid clean, and all the citric acid pulled out all the copper sulfate. Mm. Yeah, right. So could be a thing. Blue, yummy, yummy. Yes, think twice when you have a blue gin. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there are blue gins, certainly. There's the color change <laughs> ones, the ones yeah. that you whack your soda in and it goes darker blue or tonic, it goes purple. Um, are they just novelties, do you think? Uh, yeah, but you know what? It gets people buying gin, you know, go for it. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah, that that blue is not anything to do with copper, though. It's more butterfly no. blue flower. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Butterfly yeah, <laughs> And I yeah, do, so, I do have a couple of those on my shelf, and yeah. they are very, very nice. I'm such a sucker for 
anything like color changey. So like hence I have a product called G and T, which is tea bags you, of flavor. You still have global hypercolor t-shirts. Pardon? Do you have global hypercolor t-shirts? Is that the oh, ones my, that change I, color I, in the I'm heat? I'm sharing my age and, and different different country here. <laughs> yeah. Is that the ones that change color in the in the heat? Yeah, when you when you sweat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, they were they were huge in the nineties. Huge in the eighties, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember having to buy that stuff. It was awful. Yeah. I remember being devastated when my mum put mine through the uh, through the tumble dryer and ruined it. D yeah. <laughs> I remember my sisters had like a nine oh two one oh shirt like that, and it was like tie dye, and like the tie dyes used to like change wow. color with the heat. It was so retro. And then, um, yeah, I wanted to have it as a hand-me-down, like, to wear nowadays, but it's long gone. <laughs> uh, is it, did well, it change the green color so many times it's now just brown? Or? It, it went just yellow. Out of, it was, like, yellow and white. <laughs> and it just had, like, 90210 and, like, a big circle with whatever slogan it was. I never actually watched the show. But, yeah. Right, yeah, you didn't watch the show. I don't believe that for a second. I literally was not old enough to comprehend <laughs> it. No, but no, to your point, pea flower, etc. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting things. They, you know, whatever, whatever gets on, whatever, whatever gets people drinking gin. Yeah, right. So, where do you think has everything been done with gin? Have we? Is there any room for excitement and something new in gin now? <laughs> I love that. Oh, that was a serious pregnant pause. That one. Go fuck yourself. Pause that one. I, 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 I love to be surprised by things. I love seeing what, like, what other people kind of have done because every every distiller's interpretation of gin um, is a little bit different, and I think that's what just keeps it kind of fresh and chill. But yeah. um, you know, there's always people that out there doing is exciting in its own right yeah and so like there's there's always like like you know gin is in my opinion almost infinite so it can go on forever and you're bound to get excited by something again like you know mm -hmm. i'm still getting excited by gins and stuff like that and um yeah th there's so many gins that are yet to be born yet so mm -hmm. and and so many impressive things that are yet to be thought about so that's mm. something to look forward to and saying, yeah. Absolutely. Do you think yeah, we could I, see other things like the green ant gin, if you can see the little floaties in there? I reckon pink elephant gin will come out. I think that would be amazing. <laughs> I reckon a pink elephant would be a lot easier to catch than those little green ants. <laughs> you can't get them in the post, though. <laughs> just, just, just no witch grub gin, please. Um, <laughs> could that be like uh, the killer worm? Potentially, yeah. I mean, I yeah, I, I agree with Ali. I mean, there's 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 a lot of things yet to be done. I mean, if yeah, it's there, there's there's obviously you've got juniper as your core, but once once you've got that, you can use whatever you want, you know. So there's there's so many different combinations still still left to be done. Um, mm. Yeah, I think I, I was um, I was asked many years ago whether I thought how long I thought the gin craze would last, and then um, and I called it um, about ten years ago. I was like, I reckon it's going to last another five years, 
And I was very, very wrong. Um, <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm happy to be very, very wrong because it's keeping me in business. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I think there's there's so many things left to try, and I think there's so many flavor combinations left to go. And just um, you know, for every for every ten that are just wrong, there's there's something that's you know delicious. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Harking back to your days uh, as a as a bartender. Back behind the bar, mixing drinks. I'm not sure I can recall those, but yeah, carry on. Try. It's a long time. I'm sure it's a long time ago, but try. Um, what makes a gin stand out on the shelf amongst the thousand others that, that you've got there? What do you think makes a great label? And a, and a, oh, God. Um, something that stands out. Well, you see, I, I when I was a bartender, there wasn't that many. There was we had literally like your classics, you know, Beefeater, Tanqueray, Gordon's, mm. um, Bombay, Plymouth, and and then later on, sort of Hendrix and stuff. Um, oh, I don't know. It's 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 that little kind of, you know, je ne sais quoi, isn't it? I mean, we. Mm. I mean, this, I mean, this is ours. So we spent a year doing this just back and forth with a branding company working mm -hmm. on font and label design and name and all that lot. Um, you know, and it, and it, you know, this, I mean, this, this sort of stands out. I think, I think there's a lot of gins out there. If it's going to stand out in a bar, it needs to be relatively simple. Mm -hmm. um, but then again, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a traditionalist. So, um, <laughs> But, and, but also, obviously, look at look at the look at the gin that you bought earlier today. So you bought that because I bought that the, based on the pretty the pretty bottle. Pretty. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think and this is this is definitely where sort of gin's going at the moment. So if you look at you know classic gin branding, they're all old family names from the from London. You know, in the, you know the late seventeen hundreds and eighteen hundreds. That, that you know that they're the very very classic generally so people have moved long ago moved away from that into into something a bit more interesting so i don't know it depends who you're on who you're um who you're appealing to hmm. i think from our our perspective we because of our backgrounds and the people behind the company we're we're appealing to people who already know that they like gin yeah. and know, and you know we we have so we're trying to prove, you know, trying to show we have a foot in traditionalism, but also a foot in, you know, modern stuff. But then mm. you've got people who are very, very new to gin, as all these, you know, gin gin shows kind of prove that uh, who are looking for, you know, pretty stuff, so to speak. You know, if you if you look at how wines progressed in the last sort of 10, 20 years, it's gone from super kind of austere, you know, French style labeling to you know, again, floral and into minimalist and, and whatnot. I mean, fuck, I go into a bottle shop to buy a bottle of wine and I'll still, I know what I like. I, I, I have a reasonable, I, you know, grasp of wine and what, I, you know, what goes into it. But I'll yeah. still go, oh, that label's really pretty. Yeah. <laughs> so Sometimes I, you just can't help yourself. Exactly. <laughs> different, doesn't it? Yeah, I don't know. Sorry, I'm rambling a little, but um, I... I, I, I suppose it depends on your, your, your target demographic. Sorry, sorry, Todd. 
Now, someone once asked us how we selected our wines, and we told them that we buy wine that has a little animal on it. And ever since then, this particular person has bought wine that's had a little animal on it. I'm a sucker for an animal on a wine bowl. Yeah. <laughs> if, there's a fucking, if there's a fucking pig or a sheep or whatever on it, I'm buying it. <laughs> well, that was, because, because obviously it's made by people who own farms and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, they're obviously grassroots people. They, they're the yeah. salt of the earth and they, yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. In, in no way has a multi-million company to hired a marketing team to do this. Um, no, not at all. It's all it's all home homemade stuff. Now um, we're back, uh, going back just a little bit, talking about the uh, the future of um, has everything been done in uh, in gin? Um, I thought this was quite interesting. Uh, yeah. Changes in the process. Uh, so there's a gin in gin made in Camden Town that filters through straw, which imparts interesting hay sweetness. I had never heard of that before. That no, I've never heard, heard of that either. That's me, back in the uh, back in the late nineties and early two thousand, there was a vodka from Russia that was uh, that claimed it was filtered over the breasts of models, and that was their <laughs> skin point. Wow! Um, no, true story. Yeah, um, it's amazing. Yeah, smooth. Um, this, however, this I feel is progress. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's actually quite interesting. Um, yeah, different processes rather than different botanicals. Um, yeah, okay. I wonder how that could be extrapolated out what other processes you could think of could that be a um uh an aussie twist on that be uh filtering through eucalypt leaves um rather than hey well i mean i mean what you, what you essentially what you've got here you you've got a a a slightly swifter maceration really so yeah. Um, it kind of, I mean, this, this has been done for years and years. If you look at slow gins, for example, so you've taken mm. gin, you've put the, you know, slow, slows on it and left it for a year and added sugar. So it, it, you're effectively doing mm. stuff that's been done a long, long time ago. Yeah. But yeah, to your point, you know, there could, be, there could be some really interesting results by doing stuff that's, you know, not, not necessarily done. I actually quite like the idea of that. I think that's quite interesting. Hmm. I wonder if it would give it kind of like a really because like there's different styles of gin and um, I think like Geneva was like the more medicinal mm. kind of really rough um, kind of version um, with oh, it's escaping me now what the base is made from which gives it more of kind of like a, a grainy kind of characteristic. I wonder if it would give it, it something. Was, Janet, Janet, like Janet is essentially, you know, your, your happy coincidence between unaged, unaged whiskey and, and, and yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Malt spirit meets juniper. So yeah. Um, I, yeah. but you know, having said that, the, the filtering through hay, it's, you know, it's, it seems to me very simply to, um, similar to um, Jabrovka, where oh. you've got the, the bison grass vodka with the, grass. With the yeah, grass. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, and, and grassy, grassy notes are superb in a gin. So mm. I'm actually 
if if um if our electrician friend is uh listening i'd be really interested to see um um to know who who actually's done that let's see whether we get the uh get the name of that distillery because yeah yes. that would be quite interesting i guess yeah you there are so many possibilities with it mm. not just the botanicals but the process as well the specific combination of that endless endless um are you going to i i know ali is well karu is going to uh jim palooza on the weekend i will be there for the bump out shift on the sunday night right very good ali are you coming down or are you sending minions i am sending my beloved minions <laughs> <laughs> I've got a um I've got a distill on the weekend and I've also got to help be the runner for the bar as well because they constantly need ice and crafty's not available. This is what happens when you're established <laughs> like you, Ali. You get to have minions. I don't have minions this year. Oh, it's taken so long to have minions. I love them. I love them to absolute death. If any of them I, are listening I, to me right I, now. I, I love you. Lovely, lovely, uh, lovely, lovely promo stuff. I'm not going to call them minions anymore. Um, in uh, in uh, in Melbourne, they were they were great. I think they always need to be called minions and they love it. They love it. <laughs> they absolutely love it. I will be there. Uh, I'm quite looking forward to going and uh, starting to drink at 10.30 in the morning. Um, Those days are so like, I remember back when, before I worked in the industry, I was like a punter at a lot of alcohol events. And my God, like I don't, I would never be able to do it now. And I don't know how people end up doing things like gin <laughs> <laughs> it's always it's always the um the, it's, it's the Saturday evening sort of shift that um yeah preloading before a night out yeah yeah when you have to just shuffle people along yeah <laughs> <laughs> ah, I've heard of half itch I didn't know they were doing that though right I'm gonna have to look it up now don't, um don't. yeah that'll be interesting I wonder if we can get that here in Australia. Yeah, That's I'm really thing. interested to try that. Getting uh, getting anything from that's uh, that's craft from overseas is bloody difficult, especially at the moment. Is there anything that you've come across uh, overseas that you know you can't get here in Australia that you wish you could? Yeah, there's there's, there's one for me. I really wish I could get hold of a bottle of Beefy to London Garden edition. Right. Why? Slight nostalgia for me because it was the first um, the first MPD product, project of BP that I got to be involved in. And secondly, it's fucking delicious. <laughs> good reason. Very good. Yeah. Uh, it was a, it was a it was a um, basically a visitor center only edition of BP that had uh, more juniper um lemon verbena and thyme in it and mm -hmm. it remains one of the best gins i've ever had right well if anyone's flying from london anytime soon um <laughs> duty free no nah, no nah, very strictly uh you know very strictly yeah right well Look, we've made it to the hour and a half marks uh, wow. on, a, on a Thursday night. Um, 
I reckon we uh, we call it there unless we have any more questions coming in from the audience. In the meantime, though, uh, oh, we haven't done throw Todd under the bus. We don't have to. This this sounds exciting. <laughs> oh, it's, it's sort of payback for me being quiet, usually because I can't get rid of edgewise. <laughs> So we have a we have a wonderful little um uh, wonderful everyone's blocking out now. No, no, they're not yet, they're not yet. Hold on. We've got it here. I've got to load up the uh the Todd Sting just just for shits and giggles. And now it's time for Throw the Todd, the Todd under, under the, the bus. Excellent. <laughs> It's always as catchy as the theme song. <laughs> yeah, I spent. Yeah, I come up with a question. <laughs> Are there any more good questions, Todd? Um, well, the one question I wanted to ask is to the two crafters. Yeah, is when you when you're crafting a new gin, how what's your process? What little secrets can you pass to those of us that are starting to think that we might need to start doing this ourselves? Um, use less, <laughs> use less than you think you need. I think what a lot of, I think what a lot of sellers do is, um, throw too much stuff in. Mm -hmm. Use so less. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Less is more. You can always add, you can't take away. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's very true. <laughs> good point. Good advice. Yeah. For me, when um, I would say is something may sound good in theory, but when it's translated to distillation, uh, it can be shit, like really bad. So, yeah. Or come out blue. Yeah, or come out blue. There you go. At least still. Yeah. No, it shouldn't be blue. No, it shouldn't be blue. <laughs> I'll take that on board. Uh, well, look. Thank you very much, guys, uh, for uh, for joining us this evening. Thank you, Tim, uh, Thank you Tim very much. of uh, Hickson House, of course. Thanks, uh, you can go and see you, uh, sample Tim's work at uh, at Hickson House in the Rocks, which is. Seriously, just... recommend you get yourself along there. It's great. Uh, it's a beautiful. Someone actually commented earlier that they tasted them all and liked them. So thank you. So you're the one. Um... <laughs> I'm sure there's like way more than that. Amazing. All right, good. good. Yeah. Uh, so definitely get along if you're in Sydney, if you're in the Rocks. Uh, if you're not in the Rocks and you're not in Sydney, get there because Hickson House is just one of those venues that's gorgeous. It's it's so good. Um, the fact that you can see the viewing window and it's like, a, it's like going to the zoo and, like, you see the gorillas – yeah, in the uh, in the behind the glass. Yeah, yeah. I thankfully there's glass there, so we can't throw shit at you. <laughs> I, t to be honest, I tend not to throw stuff too much, so you you you'd be fine. <laughs> <laughs> so definitely get out to see Hickson House, and of course all the socials and whatnot are on the website. Mm -hmm. uh, thank you to our crafty stand-in, uh, much. Uh, much better looking, much more uh, intelligent, and uh, much more punctual. 
Uh, Punctual, Ali. I'll take. <laughs> <laughs> thank you guys so much for having me. And thank, thank you so you. much, Tim Stones. Thank you very it's much. Been, it's been really guys. great. So definitely make sure, if you haven't already, get a bottle of the Lightning Gin. Uh, that is my favorite. Get a bottle of the Hickson. Get a bottle of that. I'll get a bottle of that. Or the... Or the uh, the lovely lady herself, uh, the Marita Chipotle vodka. Oh, this is I tried I tried this in Melbourne for the first time, and I have to say this is delicious. Oh, it's, thank you! It's a lot of hand deseeding chilies by hand. I don't know why anyone doesn't want to help it's, me. It, it, it's worth it's worth the labour. <laughs> thank I, you I, so I, much. I really liked it. Yeah, that it's means a lot coming from you. Cracker. Thank you. Yeah. Really, really good. Uh, so definitely get out to see uh, Karu in the mountains and check out the uh, the bar, the new bar that is now open. And, and, the, free, uh, and the free pomegranate. Yeah, and free the pomegranate. free pomegranate that's just lying around for people to graze on. <laughs> it's there. If it's not there, ask for it. Please don't ask for it. <laughs> Uh, and, of course, uh, if you are lucky enough to be going to Jim Palooza, uh, then you can sample the Karoo uh, wares there over the weekend. Uh, thank you very much, guys. It's been awesome. And uh, please like, subscribe, follow on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, Facebook, um, Amazon Podcasts, fucking everywhere. Just... <laughs> If, hit the like button, and we, we we've even had people leave reviews on iTunes. We can't read them because there's not enough of them. So a few more, and then maybe we can read them. So that be <laughs> so. So please give us a review so we can read what people have sent us. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm on, yeah. On now. <laughs> yeah, cool, tough, awesome. Um, thank you very much. It's been a wonderful evening. Uh, cheers. 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 Thank you. Cheers. Oh, fuck, I finished my glass. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs>